Welcome, everyone. We're at the Big 3-0, episode 30 of the Effie Awards, our weekly look at the best of worst of legal ethics and general ethics. Now, this has almost become my favorite part of the week, so thanks so much for joining me. Um, shout out to the patrons. We've just added another video clip uh, for your eyes only. Membership has its privileges. That said, though, this show is for everybody's ears, and like always, I'm going to tell you some things that are sound unbelievable, but I promise they all actually happened. Now, our first nominee is in the category of Mrs. or Mr. Incongeniality, and the movie is Office Space. Mm. Milton. Hi. Uh, could you turn that down just a little bit? Well, I, I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume from 9 to 11. Yeah, no, no, I, I know you're allowed to. I, uh, I was just thinking maybe like a, you know, personal favor. Well, I, 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 I told Bill that if, if Sandra's going to listen to her headphones while she's, while she's falling, then I should be able to listen to the radio while I'm collating. Uh -huh. So I don't see why okay. I should have to turn down the radio because yeah, all right, okay. I enjoy listening at a reasonable volume. Thanks. From 9 to 11. Now, this particular category is for lawyers who, I don't know how to say this, but uh, shack the fool up in here. Just don't know how to act, become uncivil and ridiculous. And apparently, being out in the, those reticular and partitioned streets uh, known as cubicles is stressful for everyone. Uh, particularly this New York lawyer who decided she'd had enough of sister girl in the next cubicle over. So she decided to take matters into her own hands by impersonating a vendor and sending an anonymous email to the bosses that her cube mate had provided terrible customer service to this vendor. Uh, when that didn't get her cubicist fired immediately, she decided to you know, up the ante by posting the same complaint online on a lawyer referral site. And not being fully satisfied that she had gotten enough revenge, she decided to go the extraordinary step of sending an anonymous letter to Sister Girl's husband's employer, falsely claiming that she was an employee of that company and had been me tooed by hubby. Amazingly, none of this resulted in her cube me, right, cube enemy, quitting or being fired. And so the lawyer finally did what she should have done all along, and she quit. And not just the company, but the entire law. <laughs> well, she got a non-legal job with some company out there, and according to the reports here, is earning promotions, doing well. Should have done this a long time ago. And it's good that she's doing well there because she can't practice law, uh, at least not for the next three months. That three months is a suspension she earned from the New York State Bar. The companies, when they got these complaints, couldn't ignore them. They're serious allegations, particularly the Me Too. They do their investigations, right, start tracking down email and IP address, etc., and find out that everything is coming from this employee and so they report her to the state bar and that's where the three months comes from and of course she got lucky because this is New York uh, the suspension pretty much anywhere else except for New Jersey would have been a lot higher but New York it, it treated it like a harmless prank right lawyers will be lawyers right of course I don't know what's so harmless about any of it and unless you have an MTV film crew following you you probably should avoid the pranks and we had an Illinois lawyer who learned that lesson the hard way. He is doing a family law, divorce cases, representing husbands and wives in a town, and he keeps coming across the same lawyer 
who's representing the opposing party. And they have different uh, strategies uh, and philosophies about how you do these cases. He's much more collaborative, thinks we should, you know, work together. We got to still raise the kids. And she is kind of the old school girl, get what you can, right? Um, you know, very, very adversarial approach. As a result, causing a client stress, etc. So rather than having a conversation with his nemesis, he decides to do things, you know, like a 14-year-old boy would. And, you know, he would have been better off ordering a bunch of pizzas uh, to her place, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he goes on the Match.com and sets up a profile under her name, uses her pictures, and creates this profile of someone that well, is going to be very popular on Match.com. A lot of people are going to want to date this woman. Now, he does not have it redirected back to her, so she gets all these inquiries. That might, you know, um, put the, that might alert people to what's going on. So what he does is he has the emails come to him, and she's very, very popular online. She doesn't know it, but her clients see it because they start going on Match.com. They're single now, and they call her like, girl, you wild. I thought you had a husband and kids and, whoa, the stuff you talking about doing on Match.com? She finds out about this, calls Match.com, gets them to give her the IP address of where the account gets set up. Of course, they track it back to this lawyer's office. The lawyer gets fired from his job at his firm. He gets suspended from the bar for nine months, and she sues him personally. And he has to settle with her for 100 grand. And I don't know where he gets 100 grand driving Uber. That's a lot of Uber. But I do know this, we're not Ashton Kusher, all right? None of us get to punk anybody. The pranks, we got to lead to the pros, right? 19-year-olds on YouTube. Oh, oh by Jove. <laughs> Don't know my own strength. <laughs> that was a clip from the Disney animated film Tarzan. It's the latest nominee in the category of worst temper in a non-legal setting. Now... Please note that my general aim is to keep this podcast comical and lighthearted. I really try to avoid some of the more depressing aspects of lawyer wrongdoing because I'm a humorist at law, right? Not, not a serious at law. Uh, that said, I'm going to take a few minutes to discuss a matter that is not at all funny. And I hesitate to do so, but this, these cases happen so often that I just can't keep sweeping them under, under the rug and act like this isn't something that must be addressed. Like everyone else in society, lawyers have a problem with domestic abuse. And in this case, we have a Colorado lawyer who's arguing with his wife one night in their bedroom. She gets up to leave the room and he blocks her way. In anger over being confined, she hits him in the stomach. And he retaliates by backhanding her in the face. And that one blow breaks her nose. Now, needless to say, He's arrested and prosecuted for domestic battery. Sadly, but also not surprisingly, he pleads down to a misdemeanor count of assault, and as a result, he gets just probation. Yep, in America, you can backhand your wife, but in return, just get a slap on the wrist. Well, sort of. As I've mentioned many times before, while the criminal law is amazingly lenient with offenders, well, provided you're an upper-middle-class lawyer and white, that always helps. The state bar isn't always so accommodating, by the way, even if you're white. And in this case, he decided to do at least, put at least a little sting in the lawyer's slap on the wrist by suspending from the practice of law for six months. So that means no income for this lawyer for the next six months, which might cause him some additional problems because his wife has since left him, 
and I imagine he has some alimony or, and or child support payments due, uh, now that will leave a mark. And speaking of which, I want to talk about an issue that is applicable to every man listening to my voice, regardless of profession. Here's what I want to tell you. Uh, you don't know your own strength, Tarzan. A lot of us, particularly if you're a professional man, you weren't an offensive lineman in high school or ideal college. In fact, about as close as most of us ever came to being on the football team was being shoved in the lockers of these linemen. And so we don't think of ourselves as big, strong, manly men, Tarzan. Uh, but guys, in comparison to just about any woman, you are Tarzan. You are so much stronger and, well, savage. There's no situation in which there'll be a fair fight between you and your baby. And yes, even if she throws the first punch and the second and the 50th, it doesn't matter. Hitting her back can never, ever be an option, ever. And I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that men should be punching bags for women or anybody. I'm simply saying that retaliating because she started that is not going to be the answer. The answer is going to be to extricate yourself from the situation, which, by the way, she tried to do in this case, all right? But you leave, and, by the way, you might want to extricate yourself from the relationship, too. See, hitting should be a deal-breaker for everyone, all the time. Because if it's not a deal-breaker, it leads to this situation like this being a nose-breaker. And, guys, I don't know the pecking order in jail, but my guess is that wife-beaters are at the top of the pile. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I have stolen more than a goose, much more. I have stolen the king's crown. The king's crown! That was a clip from the movie Royal Deceit, which I believe was originally released as Prince of Jutland. Uh, uh, doesn't really matter. I just needed this title as it perfectly describes the next nominee for best use of deceptive legal marketing. Now here we have a New Jersey lawyer who designated his solo practice as MMK Law Group Inc. Now you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? And if we were talking about anyone other than a lawyer, you'd be absolutely correct. There's nothing wrong with that. I have consultants as friends and every consultant, and there's no consultant in the history of the world who's ever had a business card that read, John Smith consultant all by himself and alone. That is not how you name a consultancy, at least one that you want to have clients. Because I think, I don't know how to tell the guys here, but uh, size matters. Clients like to have the big firm, the big company. And so there's a tendency to want to try to make your firm look big. As a result, every consultant's business card reads, right? John Smith and Associates, John Smith Advisors, the John Smith Company, John Smith Group, because you want to give clients the comfort. Oh, yeah, there's lots of us to work on this. I'm big time. I can't do all this work myself. I'm big time. I have lots of friends who are consultants, and when you call them on the phone, the phone will pick up and give a, a, um, a directory. One for accounts receivable, two for accounts payable, three for et cetera. All of those ring to the same number, his cell phone, okay? But you understand this a branding exercise to try to give you this impression. And with every other profession, that's okay, but not for lawyers. See, lawyers have this pesky rule that says you can't state or imply that you practice in a partnership 
unless you really do. Therefore, if you name your firm Smith & Jones LLP, at some point, there better have been a Smith and a Jones at the firm. And, and not just working in the mailroom or something. Uh, they must have been partners. Uh, if you name your firm Smith & Associates, uh, there better be associates. And I'm not talking about your assistant, paralegal, goldfish, pet iguana. By the way, goldfish and iguana, they don't even get along. That's not even a good team. But we're talking about licensed and practicing attorney associates. In fact, as lawyers, we can't even use the royal we. And I'm a big fan of the royal we. I run all of my businesses, which are not law practice. I, I make my living as a, as a humorist and illegal educator. And, and as a result, my companies, we often employ the royal we. Someone calls and they say, hey, we want to have you out for a talk. And it costs, I say it costs X. And they say, well, we don't have X. And so I say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to get back to you on this. We'll talk a talk and maybe we can, we can work something out. And then we, I mean me, will go look at my bank balance, see how broke I am. And if, I, if I'm broke, then we, I guess we're going to have to make that accommodation. But we will talk it over. Those are things, like I said, that happen all the time outside the practice of law. But lawyers will get in trouble for that, for designating yourself as a law group, uh, for using language on your website that says things like, our attorneys right? <laughs> Unless there's more than one of you, you can't do this. The only saving grace for this lawyer is that he attempted to be shady in New Jersey, which I think is probably required under state law. I'll have to look it up. But as a result, he only received a censure, which basically means try not to get caught next time, fool. Right? You're making us all look bad up in here. And in fairness to New Jersey, this one time, uh, the sanction might not have been much worse in most other jurisdictions. Now, don't get me wrong. You do this in Louisiana, you get the death penalty. I mean, you, you're going to go to parchment. They, they don't play. Right, but everywhere else, they probably would have been like, ah. As a general matter, marketing violations are taken about as seriously as, say, COVID guidance from the CDC in a red state. At, at best, it's just a suggestion. And what are you doing wandering around out here in the scrub, Nave? I'm on my way to Crabbery over at the Gabba. It's bloody drag. But still, my dad get angry if I don't show up. So Neb's a real city boy, but his dad's a tribal elder. Oh, no, you can't take my photograph. Oh, I'm sorry. You believe it'll take your spirit away? No, you got a lens cap on. <laughs> Cracky. Mick, I better get going. Nice to meet you, Sue. Bye, Nev. I'll catch up here, Nev. What's happening? I better go with Nev and have a chat to the pit and Jara. Oh, can I come? Well, no way. No, women are strictly taboo at these turnouts. How does he find his way in the dark? He thinks his way. A lot of people believe that they're telepathic. Oh, God, I hate the bush. That was a scene from Crocodile Dundee in which... Paul Hogan, or Crocodile Dundee, took a walkabout, which is pertinent in this case, which is being nominated for an Hitchcock Award. Now, if you remember, the Hitchcock Award is given in those situations in which the lawyer is shocked, surprised, have that Hitchcock moment when they realize what they did was a lot more serious than they thought it would be. And in this case, not only was the lawyer surprised, but I even had a, ta-da, moment myself. 
I'll explain. Uh, last year, a Rhode Island lawyer was convicted of criminal neglect and sentenced to two years in prison. Why? Because his 69-year-old mother with dementia kept going out on walkabouts. And in a fairly short period of time, she'd had to be picked up by the police six times when she was found wandering around outside with no clue of where she was or even who she was, not dressed you know, adequately for the snow. It, it's a problem. The lawyer eventually is arrested. He's charged with criminal neglect and because his mother lives with him. Now at trial, he attempted to defend himself and say, hey, look, I'm trying my best. I wanted to put her into a long-term care facility. Mama didn't want to go. And, you know, I didn't want to throw Mama out of her house, and so I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on her as best as possible, but I need to earn a living and, and live my life. And I don't know any of the details here, but a jury disagreed and convicted him, and a judge really disagreed and sentenced him to prison. Ironically, the only sympathetic people here were members of the Massachusetts Supreme Court, which actually overturned his interim suspension. He got convicted. You normally are suspended on an interim basis. And they said, no, no, no. Let him keep earning a living. I don't know how from, from jail. But basically, hey, back off off him. He, he suffered enough. And interestingly, Massachusetts has a weird relationship with this guy. And I mean that in this one sense. They're the only state that granted him admission in the first place. Massachusetts wasn't his first choice. Uh, he went to law school in Florida. And when he graduated from Florida law school there, they were like, hey, don't even think about coming up in here. All right, you've been shady your whole life. Don't you think about coming up in here. He said, fine, I'll go home to Rhode Island. And Rhode Island said, I know you're, you know, <laughs> hometown boy, uh, but you didn't make good. Uh, don't you even think about coming up in here. And somehow he goes right across the street to Massachusetts. And where he lives in Pawtucket is not just the home of the Family Guy uh, animated show. <laughs> but more importantly, it's like right across the street from some parts of Mass Massachusetts. Uh, and so he, he says, you know, they say, hey, come on in. Practice here if you want to. I'm not exactly sure why. I, I don't get it. However, notwithstanding whatever issues may be at work in this particular case, this should really serve as a cautionary tale for all of us, at least those of us who have parents or special needs children. And personally, let me give you, I have two sons, uh, autistic sons. And this issue is really personal to me. Uh, my sons are 25 and 14. They both live at home with us. Fortunately, they have never been runners or wanderers. Um, and that's wonderful. I mean, we would, it would literally drive us crazy. And being you know, young black men who are nonverbal, it would be absolutely horrifying right, to have them out there, you know, possibly interacting with law enforcement, not being able to talk or you know, communicate. I can't imagine many things for anybody, for any parent, uh, though, of any, of any child, uh, anything more difficult than having your baby out there wandering the streets and you being afraid to call for help because now you fear being arrested or having them removed from your care. Now, obviously, the same would be true to some extent for an elderly parent suffering from dementia. Uh, and once again, the facts of this case might, now we, we don't know. So it's possible that the son was acting in bad faith. He'd been really neglectful of his mother. He'd been, you know, taking her social security check and just, you know, been a horrible son. That is entirely possible, all right? But assuming that's not, not, not the issue here, this should serve as a warning, you know, for the, for the rest of us. Mom or dad wants to stay at home, and you totally understand that. 
but it might not be in their best interest or, or yours to keep them there. And unless you have someone who can watch over them, um, a senior facility should always be an option on the table. Now, on that uplifting note, I hope you all have a good week coming up, and you're sure to join the Royal Me next week for a program that I promise will be at least 48% less depressing. All right, so take care, everyone. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, C-L-E dot com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or the Ethie Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.